This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 9 of the Heidelberg Catechism. We are going through the articles of the Christian faith. The first part about God the Father and our creation. And here the church confesses, it's page 525 in the book of praise. The church confesses, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And we respond that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful Father. We believe that faith is the act of accepting all that God has revealed in the Bible as true, including both the description of reality as well as the promise of the gospel that whoever believes in Jesus Christ has the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. And as Christians, we express this faith in written form in statements of faith called the creeds, the ecumenical creeds, the Apostles Nicene and Athanasian, and also in, a, in, a different, in, in several uh, different longer confessions. And the three forms of unity are just three of those. And these I believe statements have several functions in our lives and in the world. For example, when you are explaining the Christian faith to an unchurched person, you can use the summary of the scriptures provided in the creed. Or if you want to know if someone's teaching is faithful to the scriptures, you can compare what they teach to the creeds and the confessions, and you can help to see if you are united in your faith with that person or that church or not. Another purpose for the creeds and the confessions is that they can help you to see how richly blessed you are as a result of God's grace, so that you might praise the Lord for these things and have the words to use to praise the Lord. And as we grow in our understanding of all that we confess in the Apostles' Creed, we'll look at each of the statements through the lens of the, three of these purposes, through the lens of how this statement summarizes the teaching of Scripture, the second lens of how this statement expresses the unity of the church of all ages and places, and through the third lens of how this statement gives praise to the one true God. The creeds declares the truth, distinguishes the Christian church from the world, and then defines our life. And it begins doing it with the statement that serves as the theme of the message this afternoon, God the Father Almighty is creator of heaven and earth. We'll see that this statement of faith declares the Christian teaching, 
distinguishes the Christian church and defines our Christian life. As we read through the Scriptures, we see that there are several things that the Bible reveals about God the Father Almighty and the creation of the universe that we need to pay attention to. And these key truths are summarized in the Apostles' Creed. And their significance for our own lives can, can be seen when we work through what it is that we must believe about God. The declaration of all that the Bible teaches and that every Christian believes is, is actually an astounding statement. We rejoice just to repeat it together. The first thing the Scriptures teach about the first person of the Trinity is that the eternal God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we have it worded also in the, in the Catechism. This fellowship between God the Creator and His eternal Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, it's already revealed in the Old Testament, Psalms of Praise, like Psalm 2. And then it's repeated by our Lord Jesus Himself, which are recorded in places like the Gospel of John, John 10, verse 38, and John 14, verses 10 to 11, and many other places. The, the Lord wants you to know that the Father in heaven is the eternal Father of Jesus Christ. And this eternal relationship within the Trinity, which we confess in Lord's Day 8 to also include the Holy Spirit, it not only means that, that God is a personal God who lives in relationship, who can be identified with names and, and titles, that He's not just a mere force or a power. And it also reveals that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were involved in the creation of the universe together. So it means that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is also involved in our creation but it also means that everyone who believes in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and is united to Christ by true faith, symbolized in the sacrament of Lord's Supper, everyone in this position has a direct connection to the Creator of heaven and earth, whom we may call our Father. The significance of confessing that the eternal Father of the second person of the Trinity, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He is for the sake of Christ His Son, my God and my Father. It really hits home. It really hits home when we understand the absolute majesty and holiness of our Father who adopted us as His children. The describing word eternal, taken from God's revelation in texts like Psalm 90 verse 2, teaches us that the Lord Almighty existed before the universe was made. The Creator created time and a beginning point, even though He Himself has no beginning and no end, for He has always been and He always will be. He is eternal. That statement also reveals to us that He is holy. He's completely separate from all that He has created. There's no continuum between us and God or between the things that He made and, and Himself. He's completely 
holy and and separate and, and sovereign. He's the only pure truth of whom everything and on heaven and earth is only a, a mere reflection. Our Father in heaven is the eternal, unchangeable, holy, perfect, infinite. That means without any limit. Almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and overflowing fountain of all good who is the source of life of, of the whole universe. And we, and we look to him and we say, our Father in heaven. Our eternal Father in Jesus Christ is so absolutely mighty, powerful, that he created the universe we live in out of nothing. Since God existed from Eternity with the potential to do anything and everything. So it was not technically nothing. The phrase out of nothing is properly defined in Hebrews 11 verse 3 as meaning that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It's telling us that there was no matter anywhere than the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He simply spoke, and then there was time and space and unformed earth. And then when we read Genesis 1, we, we learn that God spoke again, and there was light, which He then separated from darkness. And again He spoke, and there was an expanse called the sky above the earth. And once again He spoke, and there was sea and dry ground. And again He, he just spoke and there was vegetation sprouting up. And again, he spoke, and the light was tied to the heavenly bodies. And again, and there were animals in the sky and the waters and upon the earth. Where once there was nothing visible, the universe as we know it was called into being by our Father in Jesus Christ. The one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing from all eternity and in glory and, and majesty and in love. He created a physical universe consisting of heavens and earth along with a system of time and change by calling all things into existence with His powerful voice and then shaping and molding these elements into the amazing vast and profoundly detailed universe that we continue to study today. The Bible reveals awesome truths about the origins of creation. Awesome truths about your Father in heaven. When, Bible, when Christians state what the Bible reveals about the creation of the world, we also repeat what the Bible says about how the Lord upholds and governs all that he made by his eternal counsel and providence. We'll look at this more when we look at Lord's Day 10, but for now we take note of the fact that the Bible teaches that God remains attentive to all that he has created. That the same God who, who called all these things uh, into being just, just by speaking in, in unfathomable power and glory and, and, and majesty. The same Father in heaven and Creator is, is with His creatures here on the earth. We see the, 
the power behind a psalm like Psalm 46 that we read this morning. The same God who created the heavens and the earth in the beginning is God and Father of everyone who believes in His Son, Jesus Christ. He's, he's preeminent and He's also imminent. The involvement of the triune God with His creatures is, is an amazing declaration of the purpose of God's creating work. Almost comparable to a, a husband and wife who long to have a child that they can nurture and walk beside for, for all eternity in God's presence. The Scriptures declare to all the world that God created us in His eternal love to live with us in fellowship with Him forever to the glory of His holy name. The God who created the heavens and the earth didn't just create everything and then, and then stand back and say, well, there it is, I'm, I'm done here. But He created us and then He called us to come to Him, to be with Him in love. And when we fell into sin, the eternal Son of God entered into the world that He Himself had made. He, he took on created form so that we might be able to be restored to fellowship with the triune God who, who made us through the shed blood of His Son that we might be led by the Holy Spirit to, to glorify him as our God and our Father, our Creator, once again. And we could see then how that instructive declaration of the Apostles' Creed, that instructive declaration of the biblical teaching that Christians believe, it's also a powerful tool for mission. We can use that creedal statement to, to call people, to show people everywhere, to separate themselves from the world. To, to join themselves on their knees before this God with the Christian church, which is united by faith in this truth. The statement of faith distinguishes the Christian church. So after stating what the Bible teaches about God the Father and our creation and the unique relationship that people can have with their Creator through the work of Jesus Christ our Lord, the church responds by receiving these amazing promises that God gives to us. We receive them because we are His children. We receive them with deep gratitude. That's, what, that's our side of the revelation. God speaks. and We as Christians, we, we listen and we receive it. We say, that's, that's true. I believe. I believe that. Believing that the creator of heaven and earth has become our Father in Christ, His Son. And you believe that, that unites you to Christ's church in all times and in all places in the world. And it unites you to other Christians who say the, the same thing, both in what you affirm as true and in what you reject as untrue. So when the Bible is accepted as the meta-narrative, the, the big story above all stories, the, the truth about reality that gives a true description of, of the question of our origins, 
our purpose, the cause of our misery, our salvation, and our future. If the Bible is accepted as, as giving the truth about that, if the necessary result is that we also declare that any other explanation of reality that undermines or contradicts God's revelation in his word is necessarily not true. If this is true, everything that contradicts what God reveals is not true. Like the Apostle Paul explained in his speech on the Areopagus in Acts 17, by accepting God the Father Almighty as creator of heaven and earth, we are also declaring that there are no other gods beside him. All those things that men imagine or create by, by their art that Paul was talking about. They don't, there are no other gods beside God. By declaring that God is eternal in his holiness and sovereign as creator. The church has a very clear description of the one true God who has revealed himself in his word. And, and, and so with that clear declaration, we, we also reject any teaching that tries to blend the divine with what is created, as if the divine God we worship is, is merely the consciousness of the universe. That's big nowadays. They're talking about consciousness of the universe. Or as if the God we worship is, is like a great spirit that lives in the trees and the water. Or as if he is a God that is so tied to his creation that the actions in the world can actually infiltrate his being and control his behavior. We have to reject that because we believe God is eternal and holy. And we accept this holy, eternal God as our Father in Jesus Christ. And so we also then reject declare as, as untrue all the ancient creation myths that, that were around. Myths, and, and there's, a, there's a bunch of them, that, myths that taught that some gods, they were, they were up there in heaven and they're relaxing and they didn't feel like doing the, the daily chores. And they said, well, you know what? We should create some people and then they can do all the hard work for us. That's a, that's a myth. It's, it's, it's something that nations believed for some time as Christians, we said, that, that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. Or we reject the myth that, that the, the world sprouted up from, from the living silt of the receding Nile. Sometimes you see that when a river goes back, there's the mud and these little bubbles come up. And, and so they said, that's how the world came into being. And you know, that came from Egypt where the Nile is worshipped as, as if design or divine. Well, believing in an eternal God who created matter out of nothing, and the matter he created, according to Genesis 1, had the appearance of, of maturity, it also allows the Christian church to unite in their rejection of more modern theories about the origins of the earth, like the, the Big Bang Theory. Theories that are based on the presupposition that, that something which the Bible has told us has been created by God out of nothing, but they say that something existed in eternity either with God, so it was eternal matter, or even as God, that eternal consciousness 
of the universe or Mother Nature for some people. Well, accepting the truth of Scripture, Christians are also united in the rejection of the macroevolutionary explanations given to the process of creation. Every explanation that undermines the scriptural teaching that God created several different species according to their kinds. That God made everything good, Genesis 1 verse 31. That God created Adam and Eve as the first two human beings made in his image, Acts 17 verse 26. That death is a result of the fall into sin, Genesis chapter 2. And that Christ came into the world to make atonement for our sins by saving us from the punishment of death by dying for us and in our place. Any, any macroevolutionary theory or explanation of the process that denies these clear truths will be necessarily rejected by those who accept that first statement of the Apostles' Creed. And then we see, although many people have tried to blend human imaginations with the Christian faith, and then rebrand natural phenomenon with divine titles, Christians distinguish themselves as they unite together in their rejection of all those false teachings. And we do that with a clear declaration that we know already when we're, we're children. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. That's saying He's eternal saying he's wise, saying he's, he's holy, that he created the world out of nothing. And that's what the Bible teaches. Although the Lord may use many different means in the universe that he has created, ultimately it is only the Lord God Almighty who is able to give mankind, we read in Acts 17, life and breath and everything else. Christians are united, stating the truth and rejecting the false uh, teaching, but then also in turning to the Father who is able to give life and breath and everything. Christians unite to one another and distinguish themselves from every other religion and teaching by declaring their trust in this Almighty God. Every time you, you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, you're saying, I trust in Him for everything that I need in this life. I trust that I will receive from Him everything I need for this life, even as it continues after I die, because my God is eternal. We confess that by the grace of God, we have been brought out of the punishment we deserve and renewed to everlasting fellowship with the Lord. He's the one who leads us to, to want to serve Him in our work and our relationships and our worship. That's what unites Christians all over the world, in all times and all places. He is truly sovereign in the universe. He's truly holy in glory. And our Father is truly eager to see his children grow in their love for him and for one another. And so that I believe statement of the church becomes the lens by which we see everything around us. Ready when we're children, we, we know who made the trees. God did. Who made the mountains. God did. 
And so it becomes a lens for our lives. It defines our Christian life. The creed summarizes the truth of the Scriptures. The creed expresses the unity of the church in accepting this truth rather than the other explanations of reality. And finally, we note that this written down and often repeated sentence serves as a statement of praise from the lips of all whose perspective have been shaped by God's Word. When Christians repeat the first phrase of the Apostles' Creed, it's a way for them to, to give all the glory for what we see around us to the Lord God Almighty who has become our Father in Jesus Christ. And as we live our lives and as we grow older, we find that we just, we just keep repeating that same statement over and over, often with our, our mouths, our jaws hanging open. God is so amazing. How many of you have looked through a microscope and said, wow, my God is so amazing. We've been blessed with biblical instruction in our lives, with the lens to see the world. We've been so blessed that we're often not even aware of how different our worldview is. We're not even aware of how much it impacts our view of ourselves and of the world around us. But ask a person who doesn't share your creed to describe a human being, and you will quickly realize how much of an impact your creedal praise for God has had on your lives. You know, here's some sad things. Can you imagine the consequences for your view of yourself and of your neighbor if you believed that humans are just another instinct-driven animal that seems to have evolved from monkeys over millions of years with the sole purpose of being the fittest survivor? Or can you imagine the consequences of believing that your life started when you were born and that you were actually something different during the nine months of formation in the womb? Or can you imagine what it's, it's like to believe that you do not have any intrinsic value as a person so that when you stop contributing to society in a meaningful way, your life is not worth preserving. Well, the consequences of this view of such godless origins leads to so much oppression of the weak and the vulnerable, leads to so much manipulation of others who are used as tools for personal advancement because i got to survive. The view leads to so much despair among those who grow up being told and taught that they are nothing more than a mere bunch of cells that are controlled by impersonal forces from which they were generated in some big explosion. Can you imagine that worldview? Our eyes actually fill with tears. Compassion for those who suffer such a great deception. The world all around them is so clear, and yet 
they believe that story. And now we pray that our unchurched neighbors might join us in the words of praise for God in the first article of the creed so that they may be delivered from their fear of death, that they may be allowed to experience the the joy that we have of having a loving, eternal Father who sacrificed His only begotten Son and even took up residence within us so that we might praise God for all eternity. And as we pray for others who have been misled to suppress the truth, we also pray for ourselves that as Christians, God may continue to open our eyes to see and to understand the meaning of all that we profess to be true. May God help us to see His glory revealed in His Word and in creation together. May He fill our hearts with with wonder and amazement at, at all that our eternal Father in Jesus Christ has done. May the Lord help us to see, to marvel at the majestic oceans, the unique creatures all over the world, the towering mountains, the terrifying earthquakes, the intricate details of microscopic bacteria, the moving atoms at the core of everything, the consistency of mathematics, the nourishing foods that come from the earth, the way our bodies work, the many different ways that people communicate all different languages and writing styles. May He open our eyes to to see all these things that we delight to learn about these things. You know what, children and and, and teenagers, if if you think about what you profess in the Apostles' Creed, it's really hard to have a bad attitude about school. You see how the two actually contradict each other? The, the Lord is saying, I am creator, so everything you study is, is about your Father in heaven in Jesus Christ. And you can see his fingerprint. And you can rejoice in that together. That we pray that God might open our eyes to see that. We, we talk about those blind people out there. Well, may we not be blind ourselves so that every time we see another human being. We we see somebody created in the image of God, put there in God's providence, Acts 17, for a particular purpose in our lives. Or every time we reason with our minds, we we say, praise God, He gave me a mind to think. Every time we feel emotions, every time we we look at a a mountain or we, we enjoy our pet or we study the different subjects of school or think about our, crea- our career, we may be reminded that of the truth we confess as Christians so that we never stop repeating the words of Psalm 8 that we'll sing together, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We confess that God the Father Almighty created the heavens of the earth and, and the earth so we never have to feel unknown or unloved, or unvalued, or unprotected, or aimless in this life. That's how that creed comes off our lips. It's an expression of, of praise for our Heavenly Father, for this wonderful 
gift of knowledge and depth of insight. The Psalm 119 says, the Lord, through His Word, He makes us wiser than, than everyone else in, in the world. Even then, teachers. The teachers that don't know the Lord. And so it becomes the, the theme of our songs. It becomes the article of, of faith that we will never recant or deny. And then we read Revelation chapter 4 and you have this vision of heaven. And, and what, what is everyone saying? What, what did we read at the end? They, they gave all the praise to the Creator. Worthy are you, or our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. You're praising Him now. You'll praise Him as Creator forever and ever. And may this truth, joyful truth, define our lives. Open our eyes. Fill us with compassion for those who, who can't even begin to imagine that worldview. And also allow us to rejoice in His amazing and eternal love. Amen. We'll now sing together Psalm 8.